People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. You're listening to Fine Music Radio. It's time for this week's edition of People of Note. Now, let me tell you about my guest, who's just had a book published called The Skipper's Daughter. Nancy Richards is an independent journalist with a good few years' experience on radio and in print. As a radio presenter, her shows were on literature, the environment, and women's issues. And in print, she's covered environment matters, books and literature, lifestyle, travel and decor, among many other things. She has a podcast called Books, Stories, People, and is founder of an NPO called Woman's Zone and the Women's Library here at the Artscape Theatre Centre in Cape Town. She also oversees Women's Zone podcast series covering books by women writers and other stories. And she has authored and co-authored Beautiful Homes, as featured in Fair Lady magazine, Woman Today, that's 50 years of South African women on radio, and being a woman in Cape Town. Telling your story, she is a speaker, media trainer, and was born in London, but is now based in Cape Town. And Nancy, welcome. It's great to have you. Oh, Rodney, thank you very much. It's an absolute honour to be and here. And you know what? In a sense, shall we share this little secret? We used to be colleagues because we both worked for the SABC for what became SAFM. I thought you were going to say for what became a very long time. <laughs> well, it was a long time. It was. But, but fun. But you are still involved, aren't you, with SAFM? No. Are you not no, at all? No, no. Did you not do a book program or something, or am I going back to far? I did. It was SAFM Literature, but I stopped mm -hmm. doing that in 2018. Okay. Yeah. Now, you've written this book, and I want to start with the book before mm. I find out all about your life in literature and broadcasting Ooh. and all the rest of it. We really do gruel our listeners <laughs> here. Um, the Skipper's Daughter by Nancy Richards. And I saw it being advertised on one of those knock and drops, and because of my fascination with anything nautical, I thought, I must see what this is all about, because it sounded fascinating. So you've duly sent me a copy. But what I'd like you to do is just say in a few words what the book is about. It would be silly for me to say what it was about, even though I'm pleased to say I have read the whole book, oh, well, and not skimmed, as sometimes <laughs> people do. Skim across the waves. Okay, well, very briefly, I, I have to confess to feeling something of uh, imposter syndrome because whilst it has my name on it, it also has my mother's name on it. And my mother really is the principal protagonist, if you like, in this mm -hmm. book because she is the skipper's daughter. Very briefly, when she was 16, she went away to sea with her father. They went and travelled around the world, circumnavigated the world, as she puts it. And she was signed on as a shilling a week as a ship's clerk. And she had to work for her money so she or at least work for that shilling a week and she typed a log so this book is partly her log it's partly the poems of her father it's the story of her father it's the story of the tragedy that took place and it's filled in the bits that have been filled in are the bits that were filled in by me mm -hmm. and how this story when we were kids growing up how this story sort of impacted our lives or didn't really impact our lives it sort of hovered in the background of our lives and at a later stage she and I got together and I said 
So what happened? <laughs> and voila. You're skimming too quickly. <laughs> the book because that was on an aeroplane, wasn't it? Now, it your was mother's indeed. name was Nancy Richards yes. as well. So when you're reading the book, I must just say you've got to be careful which Nancy. But well, it's mostly Nancy Richards, the mother, your mother. Well, my in-laws used to distinguish between us by calling us Big Nancy and Little Nancy. <laughs> and she was even smaller than I was. So it was a bit of a misnomer. But she was Big Nancy and I was Little Nancy. So, okay. you know, it's a bit coy. But, hey, that's what it was. And... About the ship that she went on, it was not a passenger ship, it was sort of a um, cargo ship. Yeah, it was actually what they called a tramp ship. A tramp ship, that's right. Um, that's which right. meant it was, a, it always sounds a bit chatty and scruffy, but it wasn't because <laughs> so, it was actually brand new. Mm. Um, and in fact, what it meant was that it would go from port to port and it would have one order, would take wood or coals from Newcastle, let's say, and it would go to another port and it wouldn't know what it was going to pick up until it got there. Okay. And then the orders would come in and off it would go to another unknown destination so what i found intriguing in the interview with you or the write-up on this book in that newspaper was this tragedy and you do build it up you don't actually say what it is but you do build it up rather nicely so i was sort of wondering what was actually going to happen and it was it was a family tragedy wasn't it because um shall we say what happened yes. i think in fact it's right there in the intro oh. um i think i did sort of fess up as it were right at the beginning so what happened was that they went away to sea she went with her beloved father who she loved and adored they went around the world and tragically he was drowned during the journey mm. which was a massive massive loss for her she then had to come back on the ship but I, I don't want to give away too much but no. basically that was the trigger of the, the, the nub of the story I think perhaps without that perhaps there wouldn't have been a story because things would have turned out very differently in her life mm -hmm. and I probably wouldn't be sitting here telling you the story. <laughs> exactly. But there are so many characters in the book of the various people she met in the various ports, people's homes she went to, some people with whom she has remained in contact for many, many years. So it's a sort of whole kind of um, palette of different personalities, let alone the descriptions she gives of the various ports. Uh, indeed. And I mean, for a 16-year-old to be meeting all those different people. And she was, I mean, let's, um, my boys will laugh at this. She was, I mean, she was not shy. She was not a coy person. And I think her father was very keen to educate her to be a, mm. a proper woman and to, you know, experience all these things. So he would say to her, for instance, I remember she tells one story how they were in some or other port. And there was a, a French sailor, a matelot with a bobble hat. And he said, go on, go and talk to him in French. And she thought, oh, lordy, you know. So anyway, she went over in her halting French said, qu'est-ce que vous faites ici, or something like that. And um, so he was very, he encouraged her to be bold and outspoken. Yes. And the other thing, sort of on a slightly naughty side, was she was very attractive at that age, wasn't she? She was the only woman among all these hardened Do you know, I mean, I think of it now, you know, with sort of, you know, I can't <laughs> believe that, that her father allowed her to be on board with, never mind all the, all the officers, they were all the crew. And, you know, every time they stopped in at a port, they were, you know, I just I freak <laughs> out at the thought of it. But, you know, she didn't mind. And she was, after all, the skipper's daughter. Yes. So nobody was going to lay a hand on our Nance, I would say. OK, now, Nancy Richards, the younger, the smaller. What's your first piece of music for us to enjoy with you? Well, why? well, I've sort of chosen something of a nautical theme here because, you know, for, in honour of the book. 
And I guess when we were children, um, there was always a sort of boaty thing going on because my father too was a sailor. We, I'm also a skipper's daughter, as were my sisters. So although he wasn't at home very much, he was at, at sea for nine months of a year and at home for three months, when he came back, he would tell us all these tales about being at sea and he would sing us all these sea shanties. And the story goes that when I was at pre-primary school or a crash or whatever it was that I used to sing all these sea shanties <laughs> so I some of which are a bit bawdy it's a, exactly exactly so I chose for obvious reasons I chose Pretty Nancy of Yarmouth um, I don't think I was singing that at the time but uh, <laughs> but nonetheless it's sort of it's symbolic of the nautical upbringing that we had Pretty Nancy of Yarmouth she's my own nuts delight and a long and kind letter unto her I did write, all for to inform her what we are to undergo. While sailing on the ocean where stormy winds blow, on the eighteenth of October our bucket set sail. Pretty Nancy, come down for to, to bid me farewell. She says, while you're sailing on the white waste of blue, she said, my young sailor, I'll be faithful to you. Long years ended past, when back I did return. Pretty Nancy was married, had a home of her own. While I was a-sailing on the white restless sea, Pretty Nancy proved faithless and fulsome to me. Come all you young sailors and listen to me, And never leave the less you love for to plough the salt sea. For while you are sailing on the wide ocean blue, she'll prove faithless like Nancy of Yarmouth to you. There you are, a sea shanty here on People of Note, Pretty Nancy of Yarmouth, the first choice of my guest, Nancy Richards. I'm talking to Nancy as a fellow broadcaster, as you heard, but also as the author, or the putting together -er, of a book called The Skipper's Daughter. And one of the things that struck me, one of the many things that struck me about this book, is the way you've had it printed, because when Nancy is when the log comes up, it's done as though you're using little old, what, Olivetti typewriter mm. or something with ribbons. And it actually looks exactly like it's been typed with an old typewriter. Well, aren't you the clever one, Rodney? Well, because actually, know. when I was compiling all this lot, I realized that I had all sorts of bits and pieces. I had letters, I had the type diary, I had, you know, scribbly letters, I had print and all sorts of things. And I was thinking... I, this is a nightmare. I mean, this is one of the reasons that it took me over 30 years to put this book together. 33, oh. 30, 33, in fact. 33 Good years, grief. I, know, I know. And it's only um, 170 pages. Yes, yes, and I'm only 21, so you do the maths. <laughs> <laughs> so it took a very long time because I didn't really know how to compile it. Mm -hmm. So I phoned the wonderful Karina Sturek who um, just so happens to have a publishing company. But it was not my intention to get it published. I just wanted to have a few copies put together for my family. But I phoned her and I said, Karina, would you just help me here? Would you just listen to this story and tell me what can I do? So she 
beautifully and patiently listened and she said actually what she said was a, a piece of gold she said just immerse yourself in the material and it will show you the way and so I did. Oh I gosh. immersed myself big time. <laughs> and it did indeed show me the way, albeit we had a few cul-de-sacs and misturnings and what have you. And then as time went on, we brought in the services of Monique Cleghorn, who designed it. And she was, together with Karina, they were like these holy twins. They were just wonderful. She said, well, we'll do this bit of copy because I was concerned that it might be a bit what is going on here? Mm. One minute we've got a letter, then we've got little Nancy talking, then we've got big Nancy typing, then we've got Billy's poems, and oh, it's a mess. But typographically speaking, I think she's brought it together very well. She has, well. because yeah. apart from what I said, where it looks like a Olivetti typewriter, mm. but then there's the ones in italics, yes. which I think is you. Yes, um, actually those are big Nancy's. Those are big yes, Nancy's, yeah. yeah. And reflections, so you do reflections. What? Reflections. Reflections, yes. yes. So, and it's like a log. Uh, voyage from Los Angeles to Vancouver Island, Crofton, British Columbia, 16th to the 21st of August. Very cold weather, fog most of the time. Siren kept me awake at night. It's that sort of um, almost jerky diary type Staccato, log writing. Yes, yes. And then you go into the italics and the other parts of the book. So it must have been quite a challenge font-wise. Well, actually... In fact, I mean, the, the whole staccato thing about, uh, you know, left at 5 p.m., you know, mm. put, put ashore, um, you know, a couple of uh, stowaways. We had all sorts <laughs> of, you know, cheapest. But then as she becomes more at ease with her father and being on board, she becomes more chatty in her log and it mm -hmm. becomes more sort of journalesque rather than uh, clipped passages. And it's interesting to see how she grows and develops and then on the journey back, it becomes much more, uh, even more reflective. Yes, yeah, gosh, after the tragedy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we're just going to refer to it as the tragedy. The tragedy. That'll keep capital people T, wanting T. to. Yes. <laughs> the other thing is the photographs. You've got the most amazing amount of photographs of the places she went to and people she'd met. Really lovely collages. Well, I can say mother was a squirrel as is her daughter. Um, oh, are you? So mother had kept all these um, photographs and bits and pieces and, and yellowing press cuttings. But one of the crew, I'm not sure who, who, which one it was, very uh, kindly had this great big green book and he used to get those, um, he'd take photographs, you know, black and white snaps yes. with crinkly edges and the yes. corners. And the corners stuck on, yes. And where he couldn't get those, he would get the little ones that you could buy at mm -hmm. the different ports. And he kept all these pictures so I had that as well, of all the different places. Some of the pictures, some of the photographs are a bit blurred <laughs> and a bit sort of faded. But um, we did our best to sort of try and poke them up a little bit. My husband did a bit of retouching on some of them as well. And they're lovely pictures. I was very struck because I come from Durban. There's a lovely section on Durban when they pulled into Durban and lovely pictures of Good old Durban, they're yes. called Good Old Durban. She, in fact, I was, I, it broke my heart that they, the ship hadn't come through to, to Cape Town because that would have been full circle. But she absolutely seemed to have been really very taken with Durban. But mm -hmm. there were bits where she talks about the natives um, and the native women 
with their thread and I thought, well, I can't do this and I can't, <laughs> can't <laughs> it's just too awful. But anyway, we went with the native women because that's what she wrote and that, that's traditionally, what she would have yeah, said in and those Traditionally, days, I think you, know. you, you get away with yes, it. Yes, but she, she was very observant for, for a young girl. She mm -hmm. was very observant about all sorts of things, possibly because her father encouraged it, but nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And was her father always at sea? Was he a, a real... Yes, yeah, absolutely. He came from a long line of sailors. Uh -huh. um, I'm not quite sure how many, but, but his father and his father before him and his father before him. Mm -hmm. And apparently they all took their sons to sea. So Billy was the first one to take his daughter to sea. Oh, okay. In fact, there is the poem, The Wreck of the Hesperus by Longfellow, where mm -hmm. he talks about taking his daughter to bear him company. Um, that also had a tragic ending, but not rather more tragic, I would say. Um, yes, but he was at sea all his life. Yeah. Okay. Young as he was. We're going to have another piece of music now, okay. Nancy. Okay. Well, the other piece of music, because I thought that there would be a bit of a nautical theme going on here, many years ago, too many years for me to recall, um, I actually sailed from Southampton on a Union Castle ship all the way to Cape Town. On the Pendennis Castle. On the Pendennis you Castle, said absolutely. Book, yes. And... Um, we had lots of friends who said goodbye to us in London and at the time Capital Radio, I don't know if you remember Capital oh, Radio, yes. and somebody had put, um, done a, a sort of a request for us and so they played a whole bunch of songs um, as a request for John Clive and Little Nancy going off to South Africa etc etc and they made a cassette of it. So when we were on the ship the 12 days on the Pendennis Castle we played this cassette until it was sort of <laughs> saggy and baggy, you know. And one of the songs on it was by Cyrita, Spinnin' and Spinnin'. And, um, I mean, I have to tell you, tell you, I can't listen to it without smelling the salt <laughs> in my in my nose and, and tasting the Campari that I drank far too much of on board the ship. But it was... <laughs> so that's, that one is for the Pendennis Castle and for the journey.
theme continued there with that piece Spinnin' and Spinnin' by Cyrita and it was the choice of my guest on People of Note here on Fine Music Radio this week, Nancy Richards who as I said is an author, broadcaster her latest book is called The Skipper's Daughter and we've been talking about the fascinating story which leads to a tragic uh, climax Mm. and then sort of drifts away gradually but one of the things, I want to just move away from the book for the mm. moment, Nancy, because when I was introducing you, I spoke about all the things you do, one of which involved here at Artscape is the Women's Library, Women's Zone. What has made you get involved in that sort of thing? Oh, Lordy. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, I suppose, okay, long story short, I suppose there has been a sort of a woman thread throughout my life sort of career, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a, when I was growing up, we were three daughters, father was at sea, lived with grandmother, so there was all, like, went to an all-girls school, so there was a very sort of girly thing going on. Then when I came to South Africa, I needed to find a job, and somebody said, well, what about Fair Lady magazine What's Fair Lady magazine? <laughs> so worked at Fair Lady magazine for about seventeen years, and that oh, was, as long as that. Yeah, so no, wow. it was it was whew, it was a learning curve of epic proportions, which I would not have changed for the world. It's wonderful, um, but I learned a great deal. But of course, it was all about women. Mm. And then when I was when I finally left Fair Lady magazine, I started working for um, the SAFM. Um, and the women's program, guess what? Yes. So I worked there for who knows how many years. And uh, one of the programs that I did was called Woman Today, which then became Otherwise. And so I interviewed countless women about their stories and their lives. And I always thought 
it's wonderful to be hearing, you know, talking to this woman about her life and all these other people are hearing about her life. But wouldn't it be lovely if women had the opportunity to share their stories beyond the seven minutes on the radio? So we got together. There was a number of us all got together. And we would, the premise of it was that women would tell each other their stories. So I would say to you, tell me about you, Rodnina. <laughs> and you would say, here am I, what about you, Nance? And we would just share stories. So everybody had an opportunity. And then it just grew like Topsy. I had also acquired a huge amount of books by, for, and about women. So I would, wanted to start a women's library. So the wonderful Marlene here at Artscape said, you can have this little place downstairs. So we have the women's library, which became the hub for Women's Zone. Uh, we did a book um, all about women's stories called uh, Being a Woman in Cape Town, Telling Your Story. And we, prior to lockdown, <laughs> um, we used to have, a, we had a book club and we, we still do have a book club. Uh, it's a podcast now. And we go around to different communities and hear women sharing their stories. We have women's walks. We do all sorts of things. So that's how it evolved. Mm -hmm. you know. Now, here's a controversial question. Mm -hmm. Would you call yourself a feminist because it doesn't sound as though you are a feminist. You are a woman telling women's stories. Yes. No, I'm absolutely a feminist. I think it's such a loaded word. Mm. I, I, it always makes me sort of go, oh, um, because it means different things to different people. But yes. I mean, in fact, uh, Jen Thorpe has written a book about feminism, and she invited a whole lot of people to talk about what feminism meant to them and she invited me and I thought oh I can't do this <laughs> it's such a loaded word um, yeah. and it you know depending on what part of the country you come from but what part of the world you come from what it means why is it important to declare your feminism I mean when we were growing up it was just you know listen we're the boss you know there wasn't a question mm. but it's not like that all over the world and I think that women's voices still still struggle to be heard. Look what's happening in Afghanistan. Um, you well, know. that's the major tragedy, isn't it? You know, so there are pockets like that. Look what's happening in many townships. Look what's happening with gender-based violence. Don't get me started. You know, so there's, there's <laughs> a lot of issues that need to be addressed concerning women. So for that reason alone, I would call myself a feminist. Okay, because that word, as you said, being loaded, it's got, it's, it's acquired a political correctness, a sort of work feel to it, a sort of banish. And so just to hear your passion, your genuine care about women and women's rights. I think that's what feminism should really mean. Yes, I think feminism can also be feminine. I think one doesn't necessarily need to be aggressive and bra burning and nobody ever burned a bra during the whole, all that liberation <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, it's really about being a woman. Mm. Um, feminist is such a, if, if I could think of another word. Yes, I know um, what you mean. You know, in you fact, mean. if anybody can think of another word, let me know. Okay. <laughs> you, I know you said don't get me started, but you are <laughs> you in any way involved with gender-based violence, uh, writing about it, interviewing people? In a small way, um, because the Saki Bartman Centre is very close to our hearts, and as you know, it's a centre for abused women and children. And um, a friend of mine has just done something called Blocktober, where he invited people to cycle every day throughout October from the bottom of the mountain to the blockhouse in Cape Town to raise money for the Saki Bartman Centre. So I, I did a couple of walks up there. But the thing about Woman's Zone is that we focus on women's strengths and their achievements rather than their victimhood. 
which is a distinction. There are many yeah. people, yeah. many agencies looking after abused women, um, th that side of things. So whilst we're fully in sympathy with it, what we prefer to do is concentrate on what she has achieved, mm. not that she's downtrodden. Oh, no, brilliant, because that gives, a, I mean, it gives it a whole positive spin, doesn't it? Which is, yeah. should be all about. Yeah. I think we're going to have another piece of music now. I, I think I'm going to enjoy this cockles and mussels. Oh, well, I don't I know when you I are. I hope you are. It's just one of those little songs. When we were kids, my mother used to sing it to us um, with a very best Irish accent. And <laughs> I, it was one of those songs I just sort of loved it and somehow remembered all the words. So when my children were growing up, I used to sing it to them with what passed for my very best Irish accent. <laughs> and uh, one time my son was living in, my oldest son was living in Dublin and I went to visit him several times. And we were walking the streets of Dublin, and what did we come across? But Molly Malone. Oh my goodness! Um, yes, in, D in Dublin. Exactly in Dublin's fair city, and so it, so it's a very special piece, and I and I love it to bits. In Dublin fair city, where girls are so pretty, was there that I first met sweet Molly Malone. She drove a wheelbarrow through streets broad and narrow, crying cockles and mussels alive, alive. She was a fishmonger, and that was no wonder. Her father and mother were fishmongers too. They drove wheelbarrows through streets broad and narrow, crying cockles and mussels alive, alive, oh. alive, alive, oh. alive, alive, oh. crying cockles and mussels alive, alive. Died of the fever, and nothing could save her, and that was the end of sweet Molly Malone. But her ghost drives a barrel through streets broad and narrow, crying cockles and mussels alive, alive, oh. I haven't heard that for goodness knows how long. Cockles and mussels, gosh. Alive, alive, alive. I can remember singing it at school in little music classes. And the choice of Nancy Richards, who's my guest on People of Note this week, talking about a number of things, including her book, The Skipper's Daughter, which we'll come back to in a moment. But one of the other things you seem quite involved with is podcasts, mm. these podcasts. What are they? What are, what are your podcasts? <laughs> podcasts are, um, I often wonder myself, but the, we, the Woman's Zone podcast is because we simply weren't able to get, meet anymore. So we still wanted to hear women's stories and we wanted to talk to women authors. So we would do the interviews often on Zoom, but, you know, as things sort of re relax, I would go with my little recorder and record women telling their stories and then we just put them together uh, we have a database where um, if people sign up to be on the database we send them all the information or they can just go to Women's Own Stories podcast just Google Women's Own Stories podcast 
And voila, you will find a series of podcasts. And we've spoken to all sorts of women. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, that must appeal to your broadcasting side. Totally, it so does. And um, mm. the thing about it is the woman's one is because it's it's all women's stories. But mm. I mean, I do have a soft spot for the other gender, and I do. Oh, have that's a, good to yes, know. Yes, it is good. Know, <laughs> Thank it? you, yes, Nancy. Yes, I love that bits. Um, but the other one that I do is called Book Stories People. It has it's going through a little bit of a hiatus because I'm just looking at at a new platform for it. But that's been an opportunity to talk to people about their books and the stories and the people behind it, the stories behind the books. Because uh, rather like with this, you know, it's a book, it's somewhat a book, but actually there's so much more to it. Mm -hmm. So when you talk to somebody about their book and the story of how they came to be doing their book, just this morning I spoke to a wonderful man who calls himself um, Black Lion, Sitkelo Mbata, and he's written a book about the spiritual journey into the wilderness. And so we walked in Kirstenbosch, mud on the shoes. And, and and it's just so interesting to hear his backstory. And he tells a story about how he, he met with this lion that he thought was dead. And then the lion sprang up and they sort of communicated like brothers. Whew, goose pimples, just sort of <laughs> thinking about it. So, you know, there's always stories. So that mm. book stories people is all about um, the stories behind people's books. Okay. And, that, and that's another okay. podcast. And as you say, if people want to listen to those podcasts, what do they do? Where do they go? Women's Own Stories podcast. Um, Women's just, Own Stories. Yeah, woman, or they go onto the Women's Own website. I'm getting Wom mixed up between woman and women. Uh, it's woman. <laughs> yes, singular. there I see woman's yes, own. Yes. If you go to the Women's Own website, womanszonect.com, simple as that. Okay. You'll find them all there. Book Stories people. You might have to Google book stories, people. Otherwise, come back to me, and I will tell you as soon as it's up and running again because I have some wonderful material that I'm dying to share. What is that, book stories, people? What is that? It's about a podcast. A podcast, okay. Yeah, yeah. With the same sort of idea this, it's as similar. the background? To yes, yes, very okay. much the, the background, the, the, the stories behind the stories. And it, that's all genders, um, and it's been such fun to do. It's Nothing is more interesting than talking to an author about... <laughs> The stories behind as I'm doing to you now. Well, yes, but as I book. as I open by saying, I do feel a bit of an imposter because <laughs> this is rather mother's story than mine. But I just just going back there very briefly, and I meant to ask you this much earlier. Hmm. You and your mother were on an aeroplane, an aeroplane flying from Cape Town to Johannesburg, and basically you said to your mother, "Now look, what happened? Tell me all about it." Exactly, and that's how it started. Yeah, yeah. and. You said she was also a bit of a squirrel, so she gave you, presumably, masses of documents and pictures and files. And well, actually, I managed to get quite a lot of it because it's all, as you can imagine, in England. It's in, mm. in my father's sea chest, which is full of, we call it the Nancy and Ron archive. <laughs> this is chest full of stuff and certificates and ropes and boaty things. Um, and after she died, after Big Nancy died, I went back to England and I went through the chest which my sister looks after and um, found all these bits and pieces. However I had had the diary, the type diary I'd had that for over 30 years because mm -hmm. I kept thinking I have to write this story, I have to write this story <laughs> and of course it never happened and was never going to happen had it not been for lockdown it possibly never would. There you are you see yep. Phoenix. Now um, I just wanted to ask you, I said we were colleagues at the SABC in a sense that you were in Cape Town with SAFM and I was in Johannesburg with SAFM, but how did you get into the whole broadcasting field? Because you were an institution in a sense on that program called, well it was called Women's Hour, Women Today. Woman Today, yes. Yeah. Yes. 
don't know if I like the idea of being institutional. I feel as if I should have <laughs> doors and windows. <laughs> or um, no doors and windows. Or no do- yeah. Exactly. So it was actually it was on account of Mama um, because she got roped in, pardon the pun, she got roped in to do a couple <laughs> of interviews because she was this fashion executive and I would show for her there. And I spoke to Hilary Reynolds, who was the editor at the time, and then she said, wouldn't you like to do a couple of interviews? So I did a couple of interviews. And then she said, wouldn't you like to conduct some interviews? Which I did, um, just on a sort of part-time basis. And then uh, Marinda Clarsen, who was presenting the programme, left, and they said, well, wouldn't you like to just do this until we find somebody else that we really want? And I said, okay. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then that was when I became an institution. It's <laughs> <Yes>, an institution. <laughs> Well, now, look, it's time for another piece of music, and I see we've got Joan Armitrading, Dryland. Yes, yes, uh, so much for the nautical theme. Well, the reason I had shown Joan Armitrading, what was it we used to call her? We called her something else. Anyway. There was another uh, name yes, for there her, was. I remember. Anyway, Joan Armitrading is a piece of note. She is really, she's my heroine, because uh, I, I don't know if you, she came here a couple of times, and on both occasions I was lucky enough to interview her. I, at one time, I tried to count up how many interviews I'd done when I was at Woman Today, and it ran into the many thousands, and I stopped counting. But some of them I remember, and Joan Armour Trading, I really remember, because she was so unlike, I imagine. She said, well, hello, you know, how, how, how long is this going to take then, you know? And I thought, oh, I didn't expect you to be quite so sort of ordinary mm, you know mm. so I, I really warmed to her we, you know we sort of had a, a lovely long chat and um, so I've chosen Dryland but just because I absolutely love her music um, but also in honour of the lovely Joan Armour trading and Dryland because here we are on Dryland at last So much more 
Trading. That song was called Dry Land, and it was another choice of Nancy Richards, who is my guest on People of Note this week here on Fine Music Radio. And we've been talking mostly about The Skipper's Daughter. I keep calling it your latest book, which implies that you've written other books. And I feel like Dion Mayer, my <laughs> latest book. <laughs> he writes, doesn't he? Does he? Not I want ever. him to come on as a guest yes. as well. This book called Women Today, 50 Years of South African Women on Radio, that must have been fun to put together. It was epic, and I think we all nearly ended up killing each other. But it, it was <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that what do you do with 50 years on radio? Um, mm. There were so many stories, and I have to say that I wasn't there for most of them. I only came in at the sort of the, the tail end of it. So in the end, there was no ways. We didn't have photographs. We didn't have time because we were still busy doing the program. So I had a sort of an aha moment. I said, well, actually, well, why don't we just record some of the programs? Well, let's do some special programs. We'll record them and transcribe them, which is what we did. So we got a bit of archive. We got a bit of contemporary stuff. And Corin Key transcribed the whole lot, which was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that's what it was in the end. So we had lots of women whose voices were, were remembered in the book, which was, which was lovely. Am I right in saying that there isn't um, a women's program on SAFM at the moment? There is no. No. In fact, they, the reason why it became known as otherwise was because they decided that they didn't really want a women's program at all. So they cut it in half, put it in the evening, and they said, call it anything you like, but don't have the word woman in it. So <laughs> we were feeling extreme. a bit otherwise. Yes. So we called it otherwise. Um, we were going to call it the other half, but that didn't sound right either. 
So it was it was then reduced, but then it did come back. It made a sort of re revival, and then they stopped it altogether. You know, in a way, I, I sometimes did question myself. I thought, do we need a woman's program? Maybe the feminist in me said, yes, we do. Mm -hmm. But a lot of men listen to it. Maybe we don't really need a woman's program. We have enough... What we don't have, and I don't know if you find it on, on your station, but we don't have enough women calling in. We have many women presenters, but women tend not to phone in. And I think that's quite interesting. I'm not sure why. When I was in Berlin recently, I was with a, an English friend of mine who's now living in Berlin, and we listened to the BBC quite a lot, BBC Radio 4, and their program, Women's Hour, yes. it was called. Hour. Funny you should say, do we need one? Because when I was listening to it, I thought, gosh, this really is meaty stuff. And, you know, it was good stuff. It really was. I, I can tell you that, in fact, um, woman, the woman's program in South Africa was modelled on the woman's hour in England. And Jenny Murray, I think it yes. was, who presented it. I interviewed her a couple of times, and I was on their program over there. And um, they started it because uh, after the war, all the Tommies were returning, and th they felt mm. that the women needed to get back in the kitchen and have a program. So they were going to make it all about sort of womanly stuff and how to what to do with your blackout curtains. And the women said, no, 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 we're not having any blackout curtain crochet. We're going to have proper women's material like menstruation and difficult conversations. And the women's program has become, now there's an institution. It very much And I so. think the day the women's program stops on the BBC, <laughs> the crows will leave the Tower of London <laughs> or something like that. But the famous Sue McGregor was also involved here yes, and there, yes, wasn't she? Yes, um, yes, she yeah. was wonderful. I interviewed her too. She was wonderful. Mm. She wrote a book called The Woman's Hour after their 50th anniversary. Oh, my goodness, so much nostalgia. I can't Gosh. cope. <laughs> <laughs> but now you've mentioned you've done a few little Irish things. Some, it says you you were born in London. Where does this Irish thing come from? Or am I being Well, stupid? I don't know where the Irish thing comes from, really. Um, it's just that my son went to live there for a little while. In fact, my father was Welsh, so I spent more time in Wales. Mm. Um, and in You fact, did a little sort of um, tour of Wales, didn't well, you? Did. A family we tour. We called it the Great Welsh Pilgrimage. That's right, the Great Welsh <laughs> which you mention in the book briefly. I do indeed. And the funny thing about the Great Welsh Pilgrimage was that I went with my two sisters and a cousin, and um, we took Auntie Mimi, my father's sister. She had died some 30 years before, so we still had her ashes. So we took Auntie Mimi's ashes and we scattered them all over Wales, <laughs> wherever we Gosh. went. And I wrote a story called Scattering Mimi because... <laughs> <laughs> we, we found we had sort of bits of Mimi underneath our fingernails. <laughs> we shouldn't be laughing. I know, I know. But it was it was very special. And my father's story, and one day I think perhaps I might write the second mate's story because he has a story to tell as well. The second mate on the ship. Second mate on the ship. Just tell us the name of the ship. It was the SS Nailsea Manor. The Nailsea Manor, that's yeah. right. One of the things that I came as a surprise to me, because I was reading the book quite quickly, right at the end, there's lovely poems by Billy, yes, the captain. Yes, absolutely. And I've asked you if you would read one for us. Well, it would be an absolute joy and a treat. They're, they're quite long, so I'll just read you a little bit. But they're quite, um, they're quite prophetic. He writes one about uh, lines to an unborn child that he wrote before his eldest daughter, Big Nancy, was born. 
He writes another one about the skipper's woes, but he writes this one called O.C. And he was very young at the time, wasn't he, he when was he wrote this He was incredibly young. He was 23 when he wrote the one about his, his unborn daughter, and it's, mm -hmm. I just can't believe that anybody would be writing. I don't. He was a little older when he wrote the one about O.C. Okay. Um, and I'll just read you the first, as it were, stanza. Ah, the stanza. We're ready and waiting. O.C., Oh, see, you are tranquil and quiet tonight, like a warrior rests ere the toil of the fight. A few hours, perhaps, you will rise as you've done a million times, yet the battle's not won. You make break in your fury and lash and turmoil, but I'll cheat you again of your coveted spoil. Though, when the time comes that I'm helpless to strike, and death creeps o'er like the shades of the night, t'were better I sleep in your boundless girth than rot and decay with the worm in the earth. Gosh. From a twenty, well, as you said, a little a older. A little there, older, but, but nonetheless, it was quite. But yeah. I think he had, I think he had many hours on the bridge by himself, mm -hmm. reflecting on the waves, and I think he had a lot of time um, to write poetry. I've got some homework for you, oh, Nancy. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Walt Whitman, uh, who's an American poet, wrote poems about the sea, and the English composer Ralph Vaughan Williams put them together with a huge chorus and called it the Sea Symphony, and. If you, you really should try and read mm. some of Walt Whitman's sea poems. I think that you would really, really appreciate them because of your, your nautical bent. Yes, yes. Well, there certainly be, there'll be two spirits looking down on me from above <laughs> saying yes. Walt Whitman. Walt Whitman, the I waves, do they're beautiful, beautiful, beautiful poems, and even better is to listen to the music, but I won't force you to do that. Thank but you. Nancy, Thank we've you kind of finished, we've run out of time, mm. and we're going to end with your father's music, is this right, or your husband? I'm confused. This is my husband's music. Ah, your yes, husband. Yes, John Clive, he is, um, he's many things, he's a painter, he's a photographer, he's um, done all sorts of things, he's a graphic designer, but he also writes music, and um, he's written many pieces, and this one in particular, he wrote when our first son was born, and it's called Little One. So I'll remind you, the book is called The Skipper's Daughter by Nancy Richards, and it's published by Caravan Press. And it's a jolly good read. Nancy, it's been lovely talking to you. Thank you for being here. It's been a joy. Thank you very much. Secrets, your secrets. 
People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. FM.